You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John and Pemby here, back with Andrew Cooper, bringing you another Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Coop, this is episode nine. I made sure I checked before we started that I would have the number correct. So we are here, episode nine, and we had, uh, you know, some devastating fantasy news happen already this week that we're going to get into. The Cam Akers injury, you know, out for the season with a torn Achilles, sending ripples and shockwaves through fantasy football Twitter, the fantasy football industry. Everybody who maxed out their, you know, their best ball puppy draft entries already on underdog that was taking cam makers. Those who took Daryl Henderson now championing up their cause there as well. So pretty wild stuff already before training camp even begins losing starting running back. Hopefully it's not a sign of things to come injuries last year with running backs were were brutal. Zero RB truthers taking, you know, a quiet victory lap, you know, not necessarily promoting it. But so we're going to talk a lot about that. But then we're also going to get into what is probably the most anticipated article release, maybe in all of fantasy football. The number of times that you're getting hit up about it, we're seeing it across Twitter. I've seen it on timelines. We've got questions about it. The ultimate tight end draft guide series is being released this Friday. The award nominated ultimate tight end draft guides here so that's dropping from you uh, on friday we're recording here on wednesday so a lot of exciting things to get to a lot to talk about with everything that's happened over the last few days yeah man a lot to unpack there i'm finally getting the episode number right for the first time ever quite an accomplishment for this show i got episode uh, one right. that's a good well yeah so for the second time then i guess right you know i love that my favorite thing about the whole zero rb thing last year is that it was a great year for zero rb it truly was and then Alvin Kamara just came along and dunked on that whole idea with six touchdowns in the championship week. You know what I mean? It's like just took the win rate for RB's first round picks through the roof. Because if you did make it to championship week, you start Alvin Kamara, you pretty much won. You know, six touchdowns is, I mean, it's insurmountable, you know. So I, I love that. And the ultimate tight end guide, I think that I've been working pretty hard on it. I know that I've had a lot of people reach out to me on it. And I know that Reddit is just waiting to get a hold of the fades article, the third article of the series where I tell them what not, what tight ends not to draft so that they can absolutely lose their minds like they do every year. So I look forward to those comments as well. Yeah, it should be good. And this is going to be a free feature in the draft guide as well. So part of the fantasy, fantasy alarm, uh, fantasy football draft guide release, but we are our, turning the free button on for everybody to make sure they get all of their tight end needs answered and handled by Coop. Any questions you'll have, you'll be able to uh, access that as well. But of course, we've had plenty of other content written by Coop and this draft guide and myself as well. But let's just start off here. Let's talk about the Cam Akers injury. You know, we had a fantasy alarm. We're very quick to react to the news. We had all of the projections updated, the rankings updated. And Coop, you wrote the reaction to get it out there. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you think is now the direction the Rams could go? You know, Cam Akers was expected to be their lead back they let malcolm brown go in the offseason they kept daryl henderson but they didn't really have much behind him no veterans were brought in they have a couple undrafted guys a seventh round pick that has maybe the more popular names and funk that people are throwing on their radars you know but what's your take with with acres now out of the picture are you believing in henderson do you think he's now the the lead guy or, or where are you looking thinking they're gonna go 
Yeah, so I think I'd love to for you and me to bounce free agents or trade options off each other real quick yeah. after this. So first, let me let me just talk about the incumbents on the team. Adam Schefter did say that they're not looking to sign anybody right away. So there is a chance right now if you're doing best ball drafts to potentially capitalize on the guys on the team if they decide not to go anywhere else. My So obviously the first guy that comes up, Daryl Henderson, he's out of Memphis. He's a, a fast player. I think he's over 90 percentile for speed, four low four fours. He's a guy that can definitely catch the ball in the backfield. There's some sort of mysterious injury or ailment that he kind of has and nobody knows it just says yeah. undisclosed by undisclosed his nobody, nobody knows he's gonna so. show up the camp in like crutches with like a knee brace and everybody's gonna be wondering what the hell happened it is concerning but i think that he's you know if you're in a league already with waivers and stuff he's the guy you gotta add right away if he's available like he's the dude after that the question is who's gonna be the deep league grab and it really boils down to two guys right because when i look at the depth chart you have uh, two guys that I don't think are going to be in the mix for high upside, which is uh, Raymond Clay and uh, Otis Anderson. These are both smaller players. They're, uh, I mean, Raymond Clay is crazy fast, but they're smaller players. They're third down back types, uh, special team scat type backs. And even more importantly is they do the same thing as Daryl Henderson. So it's not really a good compliment for, to what Henderson does. And Henderson, out of the guys on the team, he was the only one that even touched the football last year. Mm-hmm. Like he was, you know, 100 and, 50 touches plus he was right in there with the other guys so those guys are kind of out for me the other two options are xavier jones and who is a he you know so i'll give you xavier jones quick xavier jones went to uh, southern methodist he was a five-year player so he had a super senior season and his super senior season was super indeed yeah yeah fantastic yeah over I uh, averaged about 98 yards rushing a game. I don't even have the article in front of me. 98 yards a game. He had 25 touchdowns, 23 rushing. Nose for the end zone. I mean, he's in the American Conference, so not amazing. But still, you know, to put up that those numbers, it was on the Rams' radar. They brought him in as an undrafted free agent, and they kept him, which is worth something, you know. The other guy, I originally, when I wrote the article, you know, there was some pressure to get it out there quick. I put it out there. I kind of brushed off Jake Funk, but... In talking to a buddy of mine, and anybody from Reddit listening will know the name Beer Sheets. You know, you go on, he has this awesome tool to create this one sheet draft kit. His name is uh, Kevin Jensen. You find him on Twitter at Beer Sheets. He, I was talking to him on, you know, in DMs, and he would tell me about Jake Funk. He's a Maryland fan, and he has him in Dynasty. And, and you know, he's telling him all these things. I said, put out a thread. So I retweeted the thread, but basically what he said is, is you look at Jake Funk's stats, and they're not good. 500 yards rushing in his last season. Never really had a good season. Basically, he had knee injuries early in he his hit last. Double torn ACLs, didn't he? Something like double, that. Double torn ACLs. The Frank Gore special. So Frank Gore tore both his ACLs in college. Everyone said he was going to have a short career, and then he had a ridiculously long career. So right. not always the end of the world. But the thing is, he tore his ACLs early in the career and actually came back from both ACLs. And when people say the double torn ACLs, they look at him only playing five games his senior year, and they think that's when he tore his second ACL. It actually isn't. What happened is Maryland shut down their program because of COVID. So he was actually healthy for all those games. He didn't have the knee injury then. And if you look at those games, he actually had 100 yards, over 100 yards of scrimmage. I'm oh, sorry, over 100 yards rushing on average in those games. And he averaged 8.6 yards per carry. So on the ground, not with touchdowns, but with rushing, he was actually better than Xavier Jones. And, you know, he's young, he's younger. So I originally brushed him off. But now I'm thinking that it's it is more of a competition than people think. 
It's another so, guy that's a burner too. Uh, his pro day, he, you know, some reading here, you're at a 4.38 40-yard dash, uh, you know, which you get a guy like that in some open space and, and you have, you know, sub 4.4 four speed, you know, that you may not really be expecting out of somebody. You know, they kind of come out of a program that you don't consider too highly and all of a sudden, you know, they kind of surprise everybody on the scene. So that, that was kind of interesting. I agree. I, I saw his name just flying around quickly, like you mentioned. It was Jones and Funk. So, you know, that's the backfield. But I agree with you, you know, largely here. You know, Henderson came in as a rookie with a bunch of hype and just, you know, didn't get it going. You know, he needed that adjustment year. You know, fell behind Gurley, never was able to crack the lineup, wasn't impactful even in the passing game for them at all. And then everybody, you know, basically dropped his draft stock after they took Cam Akers, rightfully so. And then he was much better last year. Now, I was surprised that Malcolm Brown actually had more catches and targets than he did last year. I thought, you know, seeing that Henderson was largely the starter for the majority of the year, that maybe he was going to be involved more in the passing game than he was. But it wasn't due to the lack of, like, being available to catch the football. Just for whatever reason, Brown had more targets uh, and catches. So if you're if you're now looking at the backfield, like we said, a couple of undrafted guys, a seventh-round pick, no expected veteran potentially yet, it's hard not to think that Henderson's going to be the three-down back with one of those two guys that we've mentioned just being a spell guy, you know, and as long as they stay healthy, there's there's going to be value there. And, and we were seeing Henderson, at least in early best balls that I've been doing, he was going in like rounds nine to 11, you know, in that range as a backup, as a handcuff option. But now we're seeing people rank, you know, inside their top 24, you know, having him go generally in that third-ish round. Do you, do you agree with that general ADP? Yeah, I mean, I just, first, I just want to say real quick, Malcolm Brown is like that exact type of anomaly player that his usage, if you see, he's going to be the kind of guy that if you see him getting added to the roster of your team, it's just going to be an annoyance. Like, uh, so say you have a running back that plays for the Dolphins, which is happening right now. For some reason, the Rams wanted to use Malcolm Brown on third down and short yardage situations, which included some goal line work, which is just the worst type of handcuff for your starter because he's coming in sporadically to take high leverage situations and now the dolphins if you look at the quotes he's saying oh yeah we're going to use him on third down we're going to use him on some short yardage i mean it's like is that not the worst possible thing have a guy that just randomly comes in to catch the ball or score the touchdowns and let your yeah. guy do all you know it's Gaskins like gets first and second down work and then you know you're getting brown brown though again we we'll, we'll talk about it in a second in the uh, in the handcuff article that i wrote in zero you're getting malcolm brown for free in draft so like if you if you believe and that's what his role is going to be you know, he's got six to eight touchdown upside just playing in the goal line. And if he gets you another 30 catches, you know, the the value is going to be there in PPR leagues. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like it. I, I have no problem with it. He falls in the same category. I think it's like, a little, you know, after Gus Edwards and a couple of those guys for me. Oh, yeah. But that's that's my thought. But so I actually have a courtesy of Best Ball 10, one of our guys there. I have uh, there's been 24 uh, kind of official money league best ball drafts that have been done on BB10s. So. It looks like Daryl Henderson is going at running back 22. Looks like the, he's gone as early as the 33rd pick and yeah. as late as the 81st. So let me rattle some guys here real quick. And you tell me, John, who who would you would rather have? So these are the guys going uh, in that neighborhood. And I'm not going to list them based on ADP because I want to get your kind of gut reaction opinion. So would you take Mike Davis or Daryl Henderson? That's such, I'm that's gonna, such a I'm tough I'm probably going to go Henderson just because I think the offense is going to be better there. And I, I don't see 
too much of a different in what their skill set could be. And I actually think Anderson's going to be the more explosive runner. You know, Davis, you know, wasn't great really running the football. It was more his value last year was in pass catching. And if we think Henderson's going to have those, you know, that type of role, that could that could be a spot for him. Yeah, after the last day or so, it looks like actually Mike Davis is still going ahead of Henderson. Would you rather have uh, Chris Carson or Daryl Henderson? Oh, Carson. Carson for me for sure. Wait, we, we I mean we're big Carson stands. I know. We so are. you know, like it's it's. <laughs> I think he's undervalued where he's going in draft. So I I would continue to take him where he's at. I'm a new Carson stand. I uh, this is the final year. This is the year where I finally am on board with Carson. But so it looks like Mike Davis actually is going ahead, or in the last few drafts he's gone ahead of Carson and Henderson, which is surprising wow. to me. I would take Carson ahead of Mike Davis yeah, every single. The Mike time. Davis train certainly you know moving. I mean there was when when basketball first started he was going in rounds like six seven. He's worked his way up into round four, but now you're saying he's going when round three or like mid round three. Yeah, it looks like it. 44th pick. So, yeah, mid-round three. So, here's... Oh, no, Mike Davis? Yeah. Sorry. ADP is 157. So, pretty deep still. Mike uh, Davis? No, that feels... Even that feels low, though. Feels, feels insanely... Yeah, because I was seeing him going round, round four. So, like... Yeah, it looks like he's going RB19, which should be... Okay. Yeah, should be yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. in that neighborhood. Yeah, that makes more sense. So, here's a here's tough one. And I'm going to preface it by saying half-point PPR. Would you take Josh Jacobs or Daryl Henderson? Oh, man. Jacobs it's, is such – Jacobs is a guy that I just can't I, – I don't know. Because there's no reason – he was good as a – he was good as a rookie. He was actually good last year, even though we saw the drop in in yards per carry. To bring in Drake worries me there. I think I'm still going to go Henderson. I'm going to go Henderson yeah. with Drake there now. Drives me nuts, the Drake thing. I think it, I think full PPR at this point, you have – like, Henderson is the easy pick over Jacobs, yeah. you know. Like, I, I half, mean, I, half, Jacobs is going to be – is going to have so much volume, I still think, running the football. But, like, mm-hmm. if anything happens – and it, it, Drake is there, right? So it's, it's more about the running back room, which we talk a lot about here. Yeah, and I think when – I think another way to look at it sometimes – and I do this as well, and I think it's a smart way to play it is that – if you're picking your second running back, or especially if you're a zero RB type guy, and you're picking your first. Maybe you do want to go Josh Jacobs just because you can trust it, you know. But right. if I'm picking, if I already have two running backs and I'm grabbing my third, then I want the most upside possible. So I'm going Henderson, you know. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think Henderson. I, I want to agree with you. I do. I want. I want to. I, I feel like that Josh Jacobs is a good running back, but for whatever reason, nagging injuries or. Poor offensive performance around him has slowed him down a bit, you know. And and the fact that they, like we talked about, they spend the money on Kenny Drake, making him the highest paid free agent back this offseason. So like you don't do that without the intention of playing him. So I just I'm gonna have to be down a little bit on uh, on Jacobs there. Yeah, and when you look at my the article that I posted there, the um, I broke down the stats for last year for who got what carries. And Henderson, essentially, uh, so it was pretty split between Malcolm Brown, Akers, and Henderson when you look at the overall. Towards the end of the year, Akers kind of ran away with it. But, I mean, if you think about what they said when they drafted Henderson, that, you know, Les Snead said that he's going to be our Alvin Kamara. They traded up to get Henderson. They traded two third-round, later third-round picks to get him in the earlier third round. So but they clearly liked him when they drafted him. So he still has that upside of you know, they know why they took him. Like, in their mind, who knows? They could have been taking Akers to be their Latavius Murray plus, you know? Right. It's like, you know, so 
it, it panned out the way it did with Akers kind of breaking out. But I mean, they still like Henderson, and I'm sure if they're not adding anybody right away, then they oh, feel okay. Yeah, that's my feeling. You know, if the reports are that they're not going to add a veteran running back, they're going to go in with with Henderson plus who they have. I mean, it definitely speaks volumes to the fact that they do like the the depth in their room. You know, like we like we talked about it before. But also, they're just supremely confident in Henderson being the guy that can get the job, or they want to see how he looks in the first couple of weeks of camp, and then they just make the decision there because there are still plenty of guys available, Coop, that you wrote up in that article, yeah. right? There, there are some big names that are still on the market. You know, guys like Le'Veon Bell are, are still out there. I've saw Duke Johnson as a name that was mentioned that's available in free agency still. So there, there are some names that we could see land in with the Rams just signed off the street still. Right. Yeah, and there's there's trade offers as well. But before we get to that, I want to do one more one more quick one, and then I'm gonna rattle some above and below to see if there's anybody sure. that you feel is kind of out of line here. So here's the one last tough one. I think I have an easy decision for me. But would you pick Daryl Henderson or David Montgomery? Oh, that's good. I would. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Monty. I'm gonna yep. go Monty in that offense. The, the reports that Cohen doesn't feel like he's he's moving right yet. I, th- I think it is good for his value. You know, at least on the outset right now, I like the volume that we got to at the end of the year. The fact that they're talking already about the fact that he's going to get those 20, 25 touches a game is huge. I want to see it. I want to believe it. But if he gets it, fantastic. We saw what he can do with that kind of volume there. So uh, I'm going to go Montgomery because I saw what he can do last year with that level of volume, you know, and, and I kind of trust Nagy to make those decisions. Yeah, I'm all for it there as well. Okay, so a couple quick ones. These ones are the ones that are ahead. Like, So these are far, uh, a little, quite a bit ahead in ADP, but it could, it could get close. Would you take Henderson over any of these guys? Just a yes or no on these ones. Sure. Uh, Miles Sanders? No. DeAndre Swift? Yes. So you would take Daryl Henderson over Swift. I, I kind of like that, man. I mean, so that, that Lions team is going to be so bad. We've talked about it on this podcast before, but they are an absolute dumpster fire. They're trying to get comp picks. They brought in, they could sign one guy with without messing up the comp pick formula. They picked Jamal Williams. Like, I'm there. That's kind of scary. So that's interesting. And, and we're seeing a Swift's ADP actually fall now, too. So so it's getting closer. Swift, when we, you know, when we first started recording these and you wrote your DeAndre Swift article, Swift was going like in the middle to end of second rounds and now he's worked his way back into the third round in recent drafts that i've been looking at in 12 team leagues in in ppr format so you know as his adp falls i, I become more and more intrigued with swift but you know yeah I'm, I'm gonna go with henderson just because i feel again that team's gonna be better and i think that he's gonna have the overall usage as a three down back mm, yeah I'm, I'm right there with you man and i'd like to say that somewhere in that ADP shift, I had a little something to do with it. It's hard to say, <laughs> but even if it was just a quarter of a percent of a round. I mean, listen, I've seen enough of fantasy football Twitter to tell me that Swift's going to have like 120 targets this year. So, yeah. you know, there's there's plenty of people that are on that side of the fence as well. You know, that think he is going to be the nuts after Hawkinson really there, which could be. But I mean, you know, I again, I'm looking at that team that's expected to be what the, the fewest wins in football and score the fewest points. So, all his fantasy points have to be in yards and catches, you know? So that's a tough way to live by if he's not scoring touchdowns. Exactly. Exactly. So beyond that, we have maybe one more kind of tough one. J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I'm going to go Henderson there again. Just the backfield. That's, really? a, that's there. Yeah, that's I, wild. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, again, I'm not 
the fact that they still basically had it at 60 40 last year, even after they cut Ingram out, it's not like everybody's like, oh, they, they gave Ing- they gave Dobbins the longer leash. He was the guy. Yeah, like in a sense, he was still the lead back, but Gus Edwards is still very much there. And Jackson, when they get in the red zone, is the one scoring. They don't throw to the running back with Baltimore because Jackson doesn't dump off to the running back. So he's another guy that needs big plays, which he's very capable of doing. And he needs the volume. Very true, man. So, I mean, like, if you're in that and you're not taking Swift, not taking Dobbins, I mean, that's that's the time for you probably to take a wide receiver and then just Which I have. And take in round two, in round yeah. two, I've largely been going receiver, depending on where mm-hmm. I've been in drafts. So, yeah. So, okay, a couple couple last quick ones. Najee Harris, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tony Gibson. Prefer all those guys over. I like Gibson. I would I would use Gibson over Henderson. Najee Harris. I just the offensive line in in Pittsburgh is what's really wearing me here. And, and I know a few Steelers, you know Steelers fans, and including uh, Sirius XM producer Josh Wagner. He's he's a Steelers fan. We talked about Najee Harris, and you know he, they think he's gonna be on on the field all three downs. He's a good pass catcher. They didn't have a good offensive line last year. You know, it just seems like it's going to be worse this year. And you have a rookie running back. I, I, even if there's volume there, I don't know where he's going to go. And the fact that you still saw Big Ben throw over 600 times last year. So I'm a no on Najee Harris. I'm a yes on Gibson. And who is the third? Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I would take CEH. I'm a believer I, in CEH. I'm big on CEH, too. And I'm taking Najee Harris just because we know what Najee Harris is going to get that that role doesn't really matter to me, you know, like the, the issue with Henderson is we aren't sure, you know what I mean? They could come with some sort of multi-headed backfield. They could bring in another guy. So that's my concern there. Sure. Uh, let me rattle some on after Henderson ADP. So we have James Robinson or Travis Etienne. Henderson, Henderson yeah. Henderson. Henderson yeah. People forget that that team, man, we're talking about Vegas odds, right? And we talk about how the Texans are supposed to be trash. The Lions supposed to be trash. Not too far behind them, like or I guess ahead of them in terms of over under win total is the Jaguars. So like, it's a 17 game season. I think the Texans are like four and a half games because their quarterback situation nightmare. The Lions are at five games, and then the Jaguars, Jets, a couple of these teams are at six wins. And six a six win line, even in a 16 game season, a lot of years is the worst line you see. And six wins in a 17 game season. It's pretty gross. So, I mean, I'm just, for me, I'd rather just see it first. And then, you know, if the guy's amazing and he's doing all sorts of crazy stuff and Urban Meyer has changed the way NFL football is being played, then sure, uh, next year. No, yeah, for for whatever reason, I was thinking in my brain that you were asking me to figure out Robinson or ATN. I'm like, I don't know. But Henderson's for sure the answer there. Over, yeah, yeah. Kareem Hunt, Javante Williams, Miles Gaskin. Are you taking any of these guys over Henderson? No, I'm gonna. I'm taking Henderson unless Melvin Gordon ends up finding his way out of Denver. Then Den Williams. Then maybe Williams, and maybe Melvin Gordon too. Speaking of Melvin Gordon, that's a guy that I think that would be an amazing trade to the to the Rams. So I, when I threw together my trade ideas, I was basically looking at. I was like, okay, the Rams are competing now. A team like the Buccaneers, you think, okay, they have three good running backs, maybe even more. But you're not gonna trade to one of your biggest competitors in the nfc you know so i was looking at it like what team can trade with the rams and it's not going to have a lot of blowback on them unless it gets the super bowl which a lot of some of these teams aren't and one of them was melvin gordon right he's on his last year of his deal which is very expensive deal 
and you know you're not going to bring him back. You just drafted a running back. You brought over a GM from the Vikings who brought over a player that he likes and Mike Boone. And people look at Mike Boone and they say, oh, he only has like seven catches in his career so far. Mike Boone played wide receiver through high school. He didn't even play running back until college. He had, you know, over a thousand yards and 15 touchdowns as a senior. It was just a senior year as a receiver. Like this guy can catch the ball. He knows he can. It's just he, you know, was a younger player that was playing special teams and not really playing at all because Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison turned out to be great. I mean, like you can't blame the guy and the Vikings you know, when a Vikings GM comes over and pulls a Tom Tupa and brings a guy with him, you got to respect that, you know? So for me, I think that, you know, for the Broncos, if they could do that, get some capital, focus on, you know, the future, that, that isn't a bad trade. And I know as a Patriots fan, John, you immediately texted me one that you liked. So why don't you? Yeah, don't you it, that it's one? funny because it was like the first inclination that came to my brain was like the Patriots need to go and make an offer with Sony Michelle going to the to the Rams. And I obviously I wasn't the only one to think that because right after that I saw like PFF came out with an article, uh, you know, basically talking about the potential of Sony Michelle being traded. And I saw across fans football Twitter people talking about how Sony Michelle could be an option. I mean, it just feels like it makes sense with the Patriots in their in how they handle their running back group. You know, they didn't pick up the fifth year option. They have Damian Harris. They have they drafted Raymond Stevenson. They got James White back there. They still have JJ Taylor. Like they have a lot of guys that they like. Plenty, plenty of guys. Yeah, yeah. and and Tony Michelle is a guy that feels like it's on his way out. He had a str- he actually had a pretty strong end of his year last year as well. So like. You know, when healthy, we saw a little bit more of the explosiveness out of Sony Michelle. So maybe his draft capital or his trade value isn't as low as some said. But even then, and, and I saw someone float the idea of just, you know, seven, a six round pick for Sony Michelle. You know, if you're the Rams, wouldn't you just take that? Right. Like he's right. for for no commitment next year, a six round pick for a guy that you, you basically get a free year to look at and see what you want to do with them after that. So, yeah. You know, Absolutely. You know. And the, the Patriots already didn't pick up his fifth year option, like you said. So it's like they already know they're not getting anything back. We've seen the Patriots trade Chandler Jones just because they knew they weren't going to sign him. You right. know what I mean? Like even with a year on the contract, he's got to play for you. Then they won the Super Bowl that year. You know, so I we know that they've been willing to make these moves before. They traded Richard Seymour just after he bought a house and built a you know <laughs> a mansion like they've been willing to do these moves. For the right price, I think that they'd be willing to do it. And, you know, so I'm on board with that. And then the other one that I think is pretty obvious at this point would be a nice little windfall and would make a lot of sense would be the Texans. They went out and just kind of signed all the power backs that were floating around. They signed, you know, the guys that at this point aren't really great pass catchers, but they can get it done on the ground, which is they already have David Johnson. They signed Mark Ingram. They signed Philip Lindsay. That team is an absolute dumpster fire. They're probably going to come in dead last. You know, you have a team now that has the pass catching back, right, in Daryl Henderson. Why not trade them a Philip Lizzy? He won't need to worry about pass protection, which has been his Achilles heel. Sorry for the I didn't even mean to do that with the, <laughs> the Cam Akers. That's rough. But like that, you know, you put, it, you put him on the early downs. You put Daryl Henderson on the... Uh, third down, you're good to go. Mark Ingram too. Either one of them, honestly. Like, yeah. Why? I, I, I almost feel like if you're if you're Houston, you want to hold on to Lindsey, and you know, because he's still young enough to where you know if you move on from Johnson, Lindsey's potentially still there. They, I know they like Ingram for sort of the the locker room thing, but if I'm Ingram, I would almost be wondering if there's a way to facilitate a trade, right? Like, you know, show that I still have some amount of legs left in me, even though it didn't look like he had much left. 
and go to a team where they could use him in short yardage and goal line and let Henderson be the be the you know the change of pace and receiving back. So if I'm Ingram, I think I'd rather go to the Rams at this point. You know, but you, you, sure. you talk you know you talked about those potential trade partners. You know, Todd Gurley's still floating around there. We saw Adrian Peterson say he wants to still play. You know, we love you on Bell. All those guys are still available. You know, do you have a favorite of that group that could potentially land in with the Rams? Let's be real, man. Adrian Peterson is always going to be willing to pay. If I know, and I know this is kind of a side of sports that we shouldn't always dabble into, but he owes money. I mean, like he was having his house foreclosed on within the last couple of years. He owes child support to quite a number of people. I know that, you know, he'll, he comes out, he says, I still feel young. I still feel ready to ball. Like he's almost contractually obligated to play football, play football. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or do something. Cause he's got, I mean, it's like when you're, when you have foreclosure issues, you know, after, you know, after 13 years in the league, then, you know, you know, it's a problem. So I think that for him, he's going to be willing to play for the highest bidder, no matter who it is. You know, I mentioned a couple other plotters that could compliment, you know, Alfred Morris, that was kind of his rub where he doesn't really catch the ball well, but you know, he's still been a productive runner. I forgot that Alpha Morris came back and played last year and like played like actual, like meaningful snaps at times for the giants. I forgot that even happened. Right. I mean, like, cause he, it, that was the thing with him is he was so good. And then they figured out he couldn't catch and they stacked the box just like Jeremy Hill, just like Jordan Howard, just like you see with a lot of these guys that, that, you know, they don't figure that part of the game out, but you know, when they only need that part of the game, then go for it, you know? Right. And then, of course, I mean, my favorite is Le'Veon Bell, which, you know, we've talked about this before, you and I, with the rookies and getting passed up on the draft because of character issues. To me, in fantasy, that presents a sort of upside where people say, okay, Antonio Brown's crazy. We don't want him here, but our back's against the wall, so we'll get him. We know that he can still play on the field. And that's how I feel with Le'Veon Bell. Like, if Le'Veon Bell was a nice guy, he would be on a team already. You know what I mean? But he's not. So, you know, you know that there's a breaking point for some of these guys where they say, you know what? We just want to win. Let's we know he's crazy. We know he badmouthed his last coach. We know his baby mama was just on Instagram saying he's a bad dad. You know what I mean? Like he, right. there's a lot of things going on with him, like the robbery stuff before. Like doesn't really matter if a team signs him. I'll be interested because when it's like a almost a formula where it's like crazy times, you know, money at right. a certain point. If, if he's that crazy and people are still willing to sign him, I'm interested for fantasy, you know? Right. Cause the talent's there and they're willing to find a potential role for him if he's able to keep it together. So I, I, I agree with you there. So you can go ahead and check Coop's Cam Akers reaction article there uh, on fantasy alarm. It's all across our Twitters as well. If you have the draft guide, you can go and check out my handcuff article uh, where I break down some interesting backfield groupings worth paying attention to, as well as the zero RB strategy article that I have out there for those that are looking at the zero RBs now that we're heading into redraft season and, and looking for a way to, uh, you know, figure out different different formulas for success. But Coop, as we hit the halfway here, why don't we transition now to your tight end features, which is the uh, long-awaited series like we talked about. Uh, you had a little bit of like a primer article basically come out on Monday in the draft guide for drafting tight ends, a strategy for you drafting tight ends. So why don't you talk a little bit about that before we, you know, lead into what we should be looking forward with your tight end uh, draft guide series. 
Yeah, so the draft guide is always this art. These articles, this is my baby. You know, I do it every year. It's usually fairly long. There's quite a few gifts and stuff, but this is the stuff that I focus most on, and uh, I'm usually pretty proud of it. So what I did this year is so the draft guide itself talks about the players you want and when you should take them. The article that I wrote that's part of the draft in the R fantasy alarm draft guide you know is is the one that came out on monday and this is about draft strategies it's more of a concept article and basically my thoughts on tight end this year especially is that there's only two strategies you draft a one and done tight end that you trust to be your starting tight end all year in which case you only need a bi-week player or you draft two tight ends and i know so many people are so stuck in the, which I believe, truly believe is antiquated. This idea that you only draft one quarterback, you only draft one tight end. You can't afford to use any bench spots on tight ends and kickers and defenses where now I find that I'm winning leagues by using, I mean, never two kickers, but multiple defenses, multiple tight ends, multiple quarterbacks, if I wait on them, right? So I look at it and I say, okay, if I draft Travis Kelsey, I'm not going to draft another tight end of any sort, probably at all, really, because I just need one bye week filling, right? Same with Waller, same with Kittle, like these guys. So you either go that route, or if you wait, then you use another, you draft two tight ends. And the strategy I talk about that is the the yin and yang tight end strategy. You know, some people might have done that, done this on their own. It's not groundbreaking or revolutionary. I just call it yin and yang because I'm just tired of typing up the descriptions over and over again so i substitute words in basically so the way it works is you draft one safe guy that has a medium floor and but a medium ceiling so we're talking about a guy that we think can get a couple targets a game but he has something preventing him from having super high upside for instance an austin hooper right He's the third guy on it on the team in, tar- in targets, right? So you know he's got the ceiling cap because Jarvis Landry and because Odell Beckham and because they're probably not going to be a high pass attack team. But he's pretty consistently getting a couple targets a game. So you know you can put him in your lineup and not get a zero. So that's your yin tight end, right? You, t- you draft that guy and then you pair him with a guy on your bench that's a high upside but also low floor guy. Right. So an example would be, say, an Adam Trotman. Right. So we get this guy coming in sophomore year, didn't really play at all last year. We didn't get to see too much. When he did play, he blocked a ton. So we didn't get to see too much of him. But now with Jared Cook gone, he kind of is in that catbird seat. They Emmanuel Sanders is gone. It's a new quarterback. He could be the second target on the team after Michael Thomas, in which case he would have higher upside than Austin Hooper on the flip side. They could just be running an offense where they don't throw it to the tight end at all, which we've seen a number of times. Ian Thomas, you know, whatever the Cardinals do where they don't even really use a tight end. Like, he could just end up being, they could just say, we're not really going to use much tight end. We're just going to have him block. In that case, you don't want to start him week one. Like, I'm scared to start Adam Trotman week one because I don't know if he's going to get the ball. That's So that's the whole idea of the strategy is you draft the safe guy, you start him week one, you draft the risky guy. If he pans out, great. You move him in the, the lineup. If he doesn't, check my Twitter feed. I will be every week. I say who to pick up right after. One, the, one of the more controversial Twitter threads every week is Coop <laughs> updating his list of tight ends to add the waiver wire. It's so uh, it's some ridiculous. absolute heat was in that, in those threads last year. 
And I love it. It's a and the, my favorite is that they send me all these like clown emojis and stuff. And then what I do is I go back and after I'm right, I just you know, a couple weeks later, a month later, I just, I just go in and like them. You know, <laughs> like that. Like uh, the first week when I said that, and I was a big Jimmy Graham guy, and I was like, I want to say add Jimmy Graham, but all the numbers say add Logan Thomas, right? So I had Logan Thomas one, Jimmy Graham two, and third i had dallas goddard and that's what pissed everybody off everyone's like oh you gotta add goddard goddard should be one clown emoji this that like you know everyone's just super upset about it but in the grand scheme of things logan thomas ended up being the tight end three in ppr and jimmy graham outscored uh, dallas Goddard, and for most of the year he was a much better start so i mean like it is what it is. And, like, and, and there were games where if he could just hold on to the football, there would have been more touchdowns in this future as well. So, of course. Uh, yeah. So, I, so that that is that was always uh, a fun one, and I agree with you. And that's a strategy that I generally take as well. You know, I, I'm more of the you know draft sort of the mid tier safe guy that I like, and then take a shot later on on an upside play. You know, it, it's how I landed Mark Andrews thanks to you a few years ago reading this same tight end draft guide series that you got. You know, as a as a late round guy that you potentially has the opportunity to move in and and be a dominant guy, and Andrews was. You hit on Waller that same season. You know, so a, a lot of good things to come here. And like you said, you have that that sort of primer strategy article. That that you just dropped for the draft guide. But Friday's the big one, right? Friday's it's a four-part series that you have coming out here. We're calling Coop's Tight End Whispers. Named, that's all. That's Howard Bender right there with the label. So we have the <laughs> ultimate tight end draft guide, part one. And what can we maybe expect? A little teaser here for part one of the series. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. I, I always draft two tight ends, but, you know, there's so many people that have shallow benches and stuff that I usually say, you know, if you draft one big guy then don't draft the other but you know i'm with you i always draft i usually draft a good guy and then i draft somebody off my yang list you know um, yeah I, I just never have i've never taken a tight end early you know like in a regular format now last year i did take waller but waller wasn't going as early as he is this year he was going in like six round like five or six last year which is right in that mid that mid round where i had my running backs i had my wide receivers i'm comfortable taking a tight end I never find myself taking a Kelsey Kittle, now a Waller, in like the first three rounds. But if I would, it makes a lot more sense to use that extra bench spot on a wide receiver or a running back late that could potentially bring you more value into your team later on when you need to fill that bye week. So, I think that's that's a that's a product of you and me talking to each other about this all the time because I feel the same way about quarterback. Like I trust your ability to identify mid-round or late-round quarterbacks for us. So I don't draft Mahomes. I feel like that's a like you know if he falls far enough, I do. I will take him. Sure. You know, but like well, yourself, I, like, I had Kyler Murray in every league last year. You know, like right. he was going He's, in like six, you know, six and seven. You know, could get him everywhere. Didn't have to pay up for Lamar, who I was telling to fade. You know, like and and obviously it's easy to say that now, but you know, you know, this year we'll definitely have some quarterback stuff coming up for everybody too as well. Right. And I, I took Kyler. I had a ton of Kyler last year because you said that, too. You know, it's like that's why when we do this, it's like it's almost for you and I, at least. And this should go out to anybody out there. Like if you think if you personally you're like every year I'm finding these wide receivers late, I'm finding them on off waivers, then don't draft, you know, don't fill up your three wide receiver spots in a flex spot in the first five rounds right. with whatever, you know, don't go zero RB and draft five wide receivers if you're good at finding them later. You mm -hmm. play to your play to your advantage. And that's why you and me, we do this is I, you know, I don't take Kelsey in the first round because if I plug up my tight end spot with Kelsey, then 
you know, why am I doing the rest of this research? You know, every week I'm going to be tweeting out the guys to add. I'm going to be all over it. So I might as well play it in my advantage there. And I do the same thing with you. I know that I trust you to get us a quarterback and you almost always do. So I'm not taking them early. So right. that's kind of just the way we've kind of done things, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. With the series, it's four, four articles. The first one's intro and the elite. And I swear this is kind of a, the cheat code really is that the intro part of it, Forget any of the player write-ups. The intro part of this series, it gets better every year. And if you just read that, then you'll be a better tight end analyst and you don't even really need to read the rest of it. I'm going to beg you to read it, you know, but if you just read that first part, it tells you exactly what to look for. And then you can apply your own thoughts to these scenarios and find those guys, you know. So the this one ends up being, the first one ends up being the longest one. It's, you know, just an introduction of what we like, what we don't. I think we're, this podcast should be dropping the same day so we can get into some of the details on that. Um, so that's the first article. And then then in that, the, the guys that I think are just like the hyper elite guys that are, you know, worth spending a first or second round pick on. The next group, the next article is could be elite. And these are just the rest of the guys that I'm willing to draft as standalone tight ends. Right. I take Mark Andrews. I'm probably not going to spend high draft capital on a second tight end, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's my thought. The third article is the one that Reddit loves the best, which is the fades. And that's where those are guys that either I'm just not drafting them at ADP. Right. So I'll, I'll backdoor my way into them if they're available at a lower ADP for some reason, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to draft them at ADP. And also guys within that, that I'm just not drafting at all straight up last year. I wasn't drafting Tyler. I uh, wasn't drafting Tyler, Tyler Higby. Got hate mail over Tyler Higby. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> people were pissed, but I was. I mean, I was right. I'm not going to even sugarcoat that. He played the entire season. I don't care about hand injury or whatever. He was not a good tight end. He had one good game. So you know, like that's that's the way that I look at with some of these guys is that Tyler Higby wasn't even on my board. There was no ADP where you know what could have been a 25 round draft. I wasn't taking him. And so there are going to be guys on that list this year, maybe not so much and as last year's because, you know, it gets kind of smoothed out a bit. But there's definitely going to be guys on there that I'm I'm not taking. And some of them people are going to be upset about. There's no question. And then the fourth, of course, is the yin and yang tight end article, which is my favorite. So that's that's the lineup for the four articles dropping every Friday. And we're dropping it earlier this year than last year. Last year, the last article dropped on like I think it was in September. So <laughs> that didn't really give enough people enough time, you know, starting this Friday. You're listening now on Friday. So starting today, which should already be posted as you're listening to this now, every Friday from the next three Fridays, four Fridays, you'll have the tight end series. Uh, coming out it will end in mid-august and you'll have all the information you need for your fantasy football drafts because you should be drafting as late as possible for redrafts <laughs> that's that <laughs> that is the number one suggestion we we in our discord coop i had some the other day my league wants to draft already no <laughs> do not yeah, draft already because if you drafted ball, already man. yeah do best ball if you drafted your redraft league already somebody drafted cam Akers, right <laughs> like in the first round, and now that's that team's shot. You know, if they didn't draft the, the handcuff. You know, and now the fab, the fab's all screwed up. You know what I mean? Like, or the waivers are all screwed up, and or a team is now. It's like those with your redraft leagues, especially your hometown ones. Draft them as late as possible, man. Yeah. It's like because for me, my hometown ones at this point, it's like I'm not I'm not doing best balls for like 
200 bucks. But I do have some hometown leagues that I do for 200 bucks. And on top of that, some of those I've been doing for 20 years, man, straight up 20. So the pride is way more than the money. I care more about the pride than the money in those leagues. And, you know, you just don't want to set yourself up for these disasters. You know, last year, uh, not even this week, next week, on this so last year at the end of july darius geist got arrested so if you if this was your second year in a row drafting your redraft league and having this happen i don't feel bad for you because it's you know like just wait just wait and draft take your most important leagues and put them early early september late august draft you know cheapo leagues or best balls or do whatever now i'm i'm always drafting but yeah yeah, I mean, we're always drafting best balls, but drafting in latest ball. I mean, last year, we, we waited pretty long in, in one of our leagues that were in together, Coop, and it was still before the Leonard Fournette stuff came down. And, and then Fournette gets released, you know, and you're, you're drafting, you know, you're picking up Raquel Armstead off, off waivers, and then he's he's not the guy. And then you're, you're dropping him, and you're you're picking up, was it, was it Ozigbo? But he ends up getting COVID, and he's not the guy. And then you have to pick, you know, you're, you're making four moves to figure out who you're replacing Fournette with, and it ends up being Robinson, who you may not have even gotten at that time. So, like, wait, wait as long as you can to draft. It's just the best strategy I can offer you. I understand scheduling for everybody is tough, but, I mean, like, if you're in a fantasy football league, everybody can find an hour or an hour and a half to do an online draft. It, all, the, all the websites... They've improved their mobile capabilities. It's not ideal for everybody, but you can't please everybody either. If, if 10 of your 12 guys are, can draft on one day, that's your draft day. So, that, you know, that's my advice as someone who's a commissioner in leagues out there that's having a hard time setting a draft day. You can't accommodate everybody. Somebody's going to have to be upset and make them give them the ultimatum. Either they get out of the league or they draft and you guys draft because uh, other than that, you're kind of uh, handcuffing yourself there. Yeah. It's just, it ruins the experience, you know, and it's like, it cheapens it. And, you know, it, I had plenty of best ball leagues a couple of years ago where Tyreek, you know, Tyreek Hill get, is in trouble and then he's not. And it's just like, it makes you want to throw the whole league out the window. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, really? you're going to have people that quit because someone gets hurt in the regular season. You might as well not have them quit in, uh, you know, July. So. Yep, 100% there. Uh, so, Coop, that wraps it up. Excited to read, you know, the the tight end draft guide series that's coming out. Any any final thoughts here for the listeners before we go? Uh, yeah, I have a final thought that I've been thinking about. It has nothing to do with fantasy football. Are you ready for this? Did you find Here's your some... flashlights? So, actually, I do have some flashlights. That is – dude, we don't have – I just found out we don't have street lights on our street. Wow. So yeah, I was gonna talk about something totally different, but yeah, here's so here's flashlights for everyone out there that's uh that's looking for them. I did a ton of research on this, got a ton of suggestions. So I ended up grabbing two that that I like a lot. One of them's already come here and it's amazing I can't stop playing with it. So if you're looking for a small flashlight that has multiple different settings, throws a lot of lumens out there, learning a lot of words on this. The Workos F C eleven. W-U-R-K-K-O-S. Workos FC11 has multiple different settings. It gets crazy bright. It's probably only four four or five inches long. If it's right in your pocket, you can clip it to your hat. And uh, it's only 30 bucks, man. Wow. So a Workos FC11. The other one that I haven't got yet that it just, you know, the the somebody recommended it to me from Twitter. They said, go on the subreddit read about it and i did because i'm such a nerd but uh, so i went on there the other one's a so fern sp36 blf is actually what it is so so fern sp36 blf 
this thing is about the size of a soda can and just watching videos of people like going out in the woods and like the snow and stuff and like turning it on and it lights up the entire like world <laughs> you know it's like this thing and you, you you can narrow it down it's not you know it's not gonna wake up the neighbors you can change it around so those are the two lights that i went with so if you're looking for flashlight that's a that's a bigger one for you know lighting up your whole backyard or whatever the other one's a, a pocket one you can bring everywhere workos fc11 the sofern sp36 if anyone has any more flashlights that they think are awesome i'm kind of into flashlights right now send them to me on twitter at coop a fiasco i want to know all right so what was the other thing that you're thinking about that had nothing to do with fantasy football We'll do that. We'll do that at the end of uh, the next episode. I'll save. Okay. It we'll say, we'll save it for the next episode. I'll, I'll then. give a little teaser for the. This is good. We're gonna do a little lifestyle section at the end of the podcast, John. I think that's. I think that's gonna be nice. So. All right. For, All right. For the I'm, next I'm one. I'm excited for it. So. Yeah. So tweet your flashlights at Coop. I want to see a video from Coop when he gets his flashlights as well, so we can get some yeah. some some light radius here and see exactly what we're talking. But for now, if you have any questions, you know where to get us. Hit us on Twitter. At Coopy Fiasco at Jay and Pemba 777. Get us in the Fantasy Alarm Discord. Find us all over Fantasy Alarm. Listen to us here on the radio. You know, we're around. So if you have any questions, get to us. For now, we will talk to you guys later. Mm-hmm.